Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. Thanks for joining us. It's Wednesday, May 26, 2021. We begin with this question, is the end near for Dr. Fauci? Look, ever since COVID began, he's been all over the place with his scientific analysis, but now there are multiple calls for him to be fired after charges that he purposely lied to the American people about whether American taxpayer dollars went into funding research at the Wuhan lab. Now that matters because it now appears more and more likely that the virus actually did come from the lab in Wuhan. So that leaves Dr. Fauci with the proverbial, there it is, egg on his face, not a pretty sight. This is the new breakfast special, by the way, in America. Basically, I'll take a Fauci sunny side up egg with a side of bologna. Lots more on this in a moment. Also today, former President Trump in the legal spotlight, a grand jury forming now to look into certain business dealings inside the Trump orbit is this witch hunt 2.0. And the Democrat Secretary of State in Arizona in the headlines today after the Arizona GOP in the House voted to relieve her of some of her election related duties. More on the Arizona audit later in the show. But first, we begin with the Wuhan lab and this very simple fact. It does appear that Donald Trump was right yet again. We now have the top U.S. health official in America, HHS Secretary Javier Becerra, calling for an investigation into the origins of the pandemic after ample evidence is now suggesting that the coronavirus actually originated in the Wuhan lab, not through bats in a wet market. Hey, folks, let's rewind for a moment. Let's go back, shall we, to May of 2020, one year ago, President Donald Trump nailed it way back then. Here's the evidence. Have you seen anything at this point that gives you a high degree of confidence that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the origin of this virus? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And I think that the World Health Organization should be ashamed of themselves because they're like the public relations agency for China. Hey, folks, there it is. I mean, look, let's be clear. When Trump said that, and he did so multiple times. The media ripped him and all the folks who believe that, chalking it up to, uh, to a conspiracy theory, all that stuff. Here's just a sampling of the media making fun of that theory. Laboratory in the city of Wuhan at the center of conspiracy theories. Something you probably have heard from a certain corner of the right is this theory that the coronavirus, quote, escaped from the lab. A lot of people on the right love that phrase, escape from the lab, because it sounds like something from a Marvel movie or a comic book. It sounds like they're talking about a man-made virus that China was weaponizing that got out of control. Another theory is that it was a bioweapon, which scientists say there's zero evidence for. I guess without putting too fine a point on it, it would fall in the realm of conspiracy theory. 
A top U.S. general says there's no conclusive evidence proving COVID-19 emerged from a laboratory. Well, here we are, the president once again at odds with U.S. intelligence officials claiming that he's seen evidence that the novel coronavirus originated in a Chinese lab. Thank you very much, Brian Williams. Once again, the media scoffs and laughs from their conceited highbrow tower, and once again, they look downright stupid. We should also tell you that Making News Today is a report that the Biden administration allegedly stopped an investigation into whether the coronavirus originated in the Wuhan lab. Now, the State Department denies the report. Clearly, though, there will be more on this in the coming days. Anna Perez will be here later in the show, and she'll have more on that. All right, uh, let's bring in Eric Shiner now. He's editor-in-chief of Media Research Center TV, MRC-TV. Eric, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, look, it's no wonder the liberal media isn't trusted anymore. Just take a look at what's happening right here. Look, hypothetically, Trump could have been 100% right about the origins of this virus, and the leftist media will give him no credit. You played some clips a few minutes ago, and it's unbelievable. Even just three weeks ago on CNN, they had a professor uh, from a study in Pennsylvania saying that conservative media was pushing COVID conspiracies, and Pete, you were more likely to believe a COVID conspiracy. The one example that they gave during that discussion was that it could have been made in a lab. That, that was their thing. That, that's the conspiracies that the conservative media was pushing. Let's not forget, PolitiFact, uh, PolitiFact you know, deemed this as false information. Facebook, you know, put the misinformation screen on information like this. Both the media and social media really worked against what seems to be the truth coming out in this case. For sure. And now the media is spinning this. This is fascinating to me. The media has taken hits on this because, in essence, it seems like they're, they're going to end up being wrong here. Uh, and yet they're still, blaming, <laughs> they're still blaming Trump. They're saying, well, it was Trump. What are you supposed to do? You know, we can't, we can't accept what he said because, you know, he says all crazy, all crazy types of things. So now apparently it's Trump's fault that they got it wrong. Really? Right. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the convoluted logic that they're using here. Basically, they're saying they're not blaming the media, they're not blaming social media, they're not taking any responsibility. Uh, recently on CNN, they talked about this, and they were saying, well, you know, this is the problem when, when Trump hurt his own, uh, you know, your, his own believability, his, his own, you know, credentials by talking about this. We just couldn't believe him at the time. Well, why not let people discuss it? Why not Look at this. And as you said, Trump is already out on his platform saying, look, I was right. And now the media is catching up to it. Don't forget the New York Times. Uh, I want to say uh, the Washington Post. They slammed Tom Cotton when he talked about calling for an investigation That's into right. a possible lab leak. They ridiculed him over this. The media was dead wrong on this, it looks like. Oh, you're 100% right. I'm glad you brought up Tom Cotton because they made that like Pizzagate. I mean, they were just like, you know, you're you're looking for UFOs in, in New Mexico, though, by the way, apparently they are looking for UFOs around the country. But anyhow, that's a separate issue. Uh, hey, look, I want to play uh, Rand Paul from the other day. He was on this show uh, and he really nailed it. He's, he's, he's saying, look, I'm sick and tired of Dr. Fauci, but beyond Dr. Fauci, uh, he, he, know, he now knows that the media is starting to realize that this uh, Wuhan lab theory is legit. Have a look. The tide is turning. You're now seeing liberal networks today talking about the possibility that this virus came out of a lab. You had the Wall Street Journal published this week that three lab workers were in the hospital in November with a COVID-like infection. So the dam's about to burst. 
And I think one reason Dr. Fauci is so sensitive about this subject is he's not going to be escape, able to escape that the NIH gave this lab money. But now it looks like there's more and more evidence that it came from the lab. Yeah. This is going to be a bad day for Dr. Fauci when it comes out that the virus came from the lab. We don't know yet, but if it turns out it came from the lab and we know it was funded by the NIH, yeah. this is a bad day for Dr. Fauci. Say what, Rand Paul uh, looks to be right here. Yeah, he does. And, you know, recent studies uh, have come back. Americans, I think it's like 42% say their belief in Dr. Fauci has dropped. 42% you know, of Americans don't believe him. They're in disbelief with him anymore. And let's be honest, this is a doctor that has politicized this issue from the get-go, along with the media. And now, now they're dealing with the reality. So, Eric, does the, how much uh, responsibility does the media have here on the Fauci, uh, kind of like this, the, the Fauci is like this... Uh, you know, demigod, if, if you will. I mean, he's just become this, like, you know, he's got a coloring book. What else does he have? I mean, it's like, it's like in Fauci we trust. Can we change the currency? Are we changing the currency? I mean, that that's what the media has made it out to be with Fauci. Absolutely, I think I think you're right. I think the media, I think the currency is changing quite a bit in this case. Not only are they doubting Fauci, um, but they have to doubt themselves. And this is going to be a very difficult situation for them to accept the fact that they're not talking so much about Fauci changing his tune. The fact that they're not talking about their previous reports. Politifact has actually uh, pulled down its uh, false claim on the possibility that the Wuhan virus started with a lab leak. Um, you know, the fact that they don't want to acknowledge it tells you how much doubt they truly have. Yeah, you've got to be very busy over there, I'm assuming. <laughs> you've got a lot of <laughs> clips to go through, do you not? Uh, we go through quite a few. <laughs> we, we watch it so you don't have to. I love it. I love it. So you, you don't want to do that to yourself. Yeah. And so people that I mean, I, I obviously know the Media Research Center for a very long time and people on the know uh, do. But for those that don't understand what you guys do, explain kind of in 30 seconds or so what what the purpose of what you're doing over there and what you're trying to to expose, if you will. Well, what we do is we log and we watch pretty much every single station, especially the cable media, and we keep an eye out for where their bias is. We do reports, uh, you know, showing where they're wrong, where they misled. Uh, people with, with misinformation, and we point that out, and we bring those studies to the public, and we bring these stories to the public each and every day. It never ends. <laughs> it never ends, that, that's for sure. That is the understatement of the show slash potentially the year. All right, Eric Shiner, Editor-in-Chief of MRC-TV. Thanks for being here. really appreciate your insight. Thanks for having me. All right, uh, he's 100% right. And by the way, uh, speaking of the media, it has nothing to do with COVID or Fauci or anything, but look at the border crisis, right? I mean, Hello, it's a border crisis. You know how I know? Here, can I do a drawing, Matt? I don't know if we can get a close-up of this. All right, so, so there's nothing on this page, uh, but, but here, I'm gonna just quickly do, just do, uh, can anybody see this? No, no one can see that. All right, look, the bottom line is, all I'm doing is a graph where it goes, uh, border crisis. Yeah, it's just kind of going along, and then boom, Biden takes office. Boom, like that. Guess what? That's called a crisis. Media? No, they bury that. They're, they're not talking about a crisis at all. So uh, once again, another example of media bias. I don't have enough time to go through all of the examples of media bias, uh, not only in the show, but in the history of the water cooler, which I believe we're coming up on our 100th episode. Is that right, Madison? 100 episodes. Wow, that's uh, 100 too many for some. <laughs> Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, 
where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Is a POTUS 45, the former president, Donald Trump, is he going to be in some legal trouble? There is a grand jury that's going to be formed by the Manhattan uh, the Manhattan District Attorney just gone to double check. Look, got to get the facts right, Manhattan District Attorney. Uh, so we, we want to unpack a lot of this. Uh, let's bring in uh, Renato um, Mariotti, the former federal prosecutor who's been on the show before. Uh, Renato, always good to see you, sir. Absolutely. Good to be here. Well, take us through it. Um, you know, every time people hear grand jury, they go, oh, big deal. Now, clearly a big deal. But but what what's kind of like the, the, the machinations here? What are we going to see exactly? So a grand jury is just a group of ordinary citizens. And in the Constitution, in order to charge somebody with a felony, you need to have an indictment, which is just like a document returned by a grand jury. So it is a big deal because what this means, this is a special grand jury. So essentially what happened is the Manhattan DA's office has been investigating uh, former President Trump for some time. Now they've got this, this grand jury that's going to sit for a longer period of time. Uh, presumably to hear evidence. So what they're going to do is actually put witnesses in the grand jury, have them testify to the grand jury. And then at the end, before this grand jury expires in uh, November or so, they will, uh, they will you know, potentially be presenting indictments to them. Doesn't mean that there will be indictments and it doesn't, we don't know who it will be, but it, it does mean that they're certainly gearing up for that uh, potential outcome. Well, I was going to say the fact that a grand jury has been convened and once again, no, no determinative outcome here. But but is this how often do, does this happen in special big cases like this where you convene a grand jury and there ends up not being any charges that come from it or indictments? It happens because when there's a high profile case, you need to make sure you get it right. Yeah, uh, this is not something you just rush and throw together. This is every uh, T is crossed and I is dotted, so to speak. Uh, but I will say there's been some signs recently that they're going, they're getting very serious here. I, I don't think that they would hire, be hiring these uh, high-priced experts, uh, I, FTI, to, for example, to be doing uh, consulting work. I hired them in a prior case. They cost an insane amount of money. Uh, similarly, uh, we just heard recently the New York AG, uh, Letitia James, is joining in with this. I don't see her hitching her wagon to this investigation if she thought it was going nowhere. So... Uh, all the signs to me are pointing towards this being in the home stretch. Well, Renata, what are they looking for specifically? I say specifically, it seems like there's a range of different things here. Uh, and also, it seems like Alan Weisselberg, the chief financial officer here in Trump orbit, is going to be a linchpin, a key to a lot of this. I mean, if he turns, so to speak, on Trump, uh, then there could be some real, real problems here for him. Yeah, so reports have been that this is surrounding tax issues related to uh, former President Trump's uh, 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 company, the Trump Organization, and other entities, uh, and then also potential false statements and financial documents. So just so everyone understands at home, there's often false statements of financial documents, and there, there can be, but that's not a crime unless the per they're transmitted to somebody with the intent to trick or fool the other person. So if you transmit them to the tax authority and try to get lower taxes as a result, that's, a, that's fraud. It's also fraud if you send them to your bank to try to get a loan intending to trick your bank. The hard part is proving the knowledge and the intent of the person behind it. And that's why you mentioned Alan Weisselberg. He's the CFO, uh, presumably was involved in preparing and or approving these documents. 
So he's going to be a lot closer to them. It's easier to prove his state of mind rather than somebody like former President Trump or his family, who probably weren't involved in the actual creation of these documents. And as you point out, really what it would take to, to charge somebody with Trump as their last name would be either an email, text message, something in writing regarding their intent or knowledge, or the testimony of somebody like Weisselberg, who could talk about their conversations with the former president. Renato, I'm really glad you brought that up, because we talk about intent here, and it does, I mean, you have to have a paper trail with intent, right? I mean, you can't, you can't, how else are you going to do it unless you have expert witness te testimony from someone? I mean, how, how would that work other than if you didn't have a paper trail? Yeah, if you don't have a paper, tra paper trail, what you would need is the testimony of somebody credible. Like, let's say Alan Weisselberg took the stand mm -hmm. and the jury believed him. And he said, I had a conversation with Donald Trump and he said X, Y, right. we discussed this document and so on and so forth. Now, it's ultimately the base, basically the word of Weisselberg and you would need to corroborate him. So, you know, that that would be the issue there. And that's that'd be a tough case, I think, because obviously the standard there is beyond a reasonable doubt. And all they would need to do is get a juror. The defense would need is one juror who has doubt. So it's definitely hard. Usually prosecutors want to find paper, as you said, uh, that that usually makes it a lot easier. So unless you have some sheet of paper, whether it's an email, text message, something like that, you're probably going to want to have very strong witness uh, testimony that's going to be corroborated by other evidence. So if there were going to be any indictments, it seems like at least the, the betting line or the money here seems to be on more on Trump's orbit rather than Trump or someone with the last name Trump himself. I think that's right, certainly in the short term. I think if I was going to bet on what the initial indictments look like, I think that's a safer bet. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody who actually touched the financial documents. Obviously, I don't know exactly how the Trump organization works. Probably none of us do. Right. So it's very possible that he got looped in and everything. I don't know for sure. but. You know, it really would need to be somebody who's hands on, because I will tell you, I've prosecuted these cases. I've defended these cases uh, now in private practice. And the reality is the case always comes down to the busy executive saying, hey, I got a thousand things on my plate. Didn't really pay a lot of attention to line 14 on page 23. Yeah. Uh, and you the, you, the prosecutor, have to really show and prove that person's state of mind. Renato, as we wrap up here, I got about 30 seconds or so. Uh, give us a sense of how this grand jury is picked. I mean, how, how does this work exactly? And how is it different from a, a criminal or civil trial? Yeah, it can look, it can vary. The practices can vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. But generally, it is just from the voter rolls, for example, or driver's role, driver's license rolls, that sort of thing. Picked at random. This is not like a regular jury where they hear both sides. Uh, and there's a cross-examination. It's simply the prosecutor in there with the witnesses asking their questions. Uh, so they're going to hear one side of the story, which is why indictments usually are returned when a prosecutor asks for them. All right. Sounds good. Well, we'll have to follow up on that because I'd be curious as to how the prosecutor chooses the witnesses. But that's a whole. I'll copy you back for that. That's, that's interesting. Renato uh, Mariotti, really appreciate your insight. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, uh, good. Uh, I, that, that was really informative to me, and I got to tell you, I mean, if I can understand it, that's kudos to Renato because he may, he, let's be honest, smart guy, dumbed it down for me. I'll take it uh, any day of the week. All right, when we come back, uh, what else do we have? Oh, the Arizona audit. I know, I know, 2020 election. Yes, it's 2021. We're going to talk about the 2020 election. But Dr. Kelly Ward will be here to talk about the latest on that uh, Arizona audit that is now called America's audit. That's what they're calling it. Back in a moment.
Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, tell you what, uh, this week on the show, we were in uh, Wyndham, New Hampshire, uh, where uh, Heather Mullins was reporting on the recount. Or I should say, yeah, there's a recount in the audit there. Uh, and, of course, uh, later this week, we're going to be moving to Fulton County, Georgia, where they're going to get into an audit and recount over there. I mean, there's a lot of activity going on, but ground zero is where? Let's all say it together, shall we? I don't know. There's, I'm on the only one in the studio, so I, that doesn't even make any sense. But Arizona, uh, Dr. Kelly Ward, uh, back with us, uh, the Arizona GOP chairwoman. Uh, Kelly, always good to have you back on the show. It's great to be here, David, and thank you for getting so much great information out. I've seen so much, so many great interviews that you've had, so keep up the good work. I appreciate it, Kelly. Thanks so much. Hey, look, so give us the latest there uh, in Arizona. Uh, the media has been forced to cover this. I mean, they, they've had to cover it. Of course, they're trying to, you know, rip it at every turn, uh, but at least they're paying attention, which I guess is something. Yes, and, and we're proud, Arizona. We are proud to be that tip of the spear. And I love that it's called America's Audit, but really now it's becoming America's Audit mm. with an F um, because all around the country, people are taking their cues and getting some strength from the strength of our legislators, the strength of our Republican Party here, the strength of our grassroots that are pushing forward on this effort. The audit resumed on Monday. It's stronger than ever, more volunteers. Uh, the professionalism is out of this world and I can't wait See what the results are. So, what are, you've talked about uh, voting irregularities that have been discovered. Uh, can, can you talk to us a little bit about what some of your concerns have been so far since the audit has begun? Yeah, well, one of the big concerns that the state Senate brought to our attention and to the attention of the Maricopa uh, County Board of Supervisors and the Maricopa County Elections Department, including the recorder, um, is the storage of the ballots at Maricopa County. The fact that many of the bags and boxes that we got at the audit had already had the seals cut that duplicated ballots. And I don't know if they do this in every state, but in Arizona, if there's a ballot that the, the voter fills out and it won't go through the tabulator, a nice employee from the county of some political ilk will copy that ballot for you. And remember, all of our military ballots that come in are done that way as well. Someone else fills in the bubble and runs it through the machine. Our state law requires that there is a serial number put on the original and the duplicate so that they can always be put together. We found uh, duplicates. They have not announced how many they've found, um, but there are over 27,000 duplicated ballots in Arizona. We've found duplicated ballots that do not have an original associated with them. To me, those are fraudulent ballots, and they should be thrown out immediately. So, Kelly, the media, as you might imagine, you knew this was coming. They're, they're going to rip this Arizona audit. They're going to say, uh, been there, done that. It, it, it's over with. And this is a private security or cybersecurity firm that's been hired and all, all of that. But, but talk to me a little bit about some of the latest headlines. There is a, one of the subcontractors, right, not the main cybersecurity firm, but a subcontractor said, you know, we're done. We're not going to do this anymore. What, you know, that's being 
kind of uh, spun as, you know, that they want out of this. But what is what is your sense of what, what happened there? Well, I'm sure it's frustrating to everyone involved because they are belittled, they're berated, they're, they're demeaned, they're lied about. And it is difficult to go through. Believe me, I've been through the fire and I don't care what the media says about me. It takes a lot to build up that thick skin to be able to continue the fight. So my job as, as the Republican Party chair and as an Arizona Arizonan who wants to get to the bottom of this is to give the support to those entities so that they can be stronger and they can persist so that we get to the bottom of what is happening, what happened in 2020, we make sure it never happens again, and we correct problems that arose from the 2020 election. You're disappointed that they didn't stick it out, this, this committee, this, uh, this cybersecurity well, firm? Well, we have experts at every level, and I have full faith in Cyber Ninjas. I know a lot of people like to make fun of that name, but Cyber Ninjas is a term in the cyber world, in cybersecurity, about the best of the best. And these guys are the best of the best. So I have no doubt if some um, entities aren't tough enough to continue, there are others that will be ready to take their place and do a very professional job and get to the bottom of this. All right. I've got to ask you what's in the headlines about uh, the Secretary of State, the Democrat Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs. I know <laughs> you're already shaking your head. You're like, oh, I could spend six hours talking about her. I know, uh, uh, Kelly. But look, uh, she's she's obviously uh, there it is. Arizona Republicans introduced bill to strip powers from Democratic Secretary of State. Uh, why don't you take us through this? Because people are saying, well, wait a minute, that that's not right. Critics are saying that that shouldn't happen. Well, these are powers that never should have rested with the Secretary of State, okay? So the power of litigation, the chief um, law, law enforcement officer in our state is the Attorney General. And so any cases that are going to be litigated need to go through the Attorney General's office. And that's simply what this House Appropriations Committee has, has proposed and has passed um, to put litigation where it belongs. Because Katie Hobbs, remember, she is the the, um, the nice person who said that all Trump supporters are neo-Nazis. So she is certainly not some kind of bipartisan, love everyone politician. She is a left-wing, radical, progressive, political hack. And so um, to take the power away from her to sue or not to sue, depending on her political sensibilities, is the right thing to do. She shouldn't be able to cost the taxpayers unlimited dollars to um, bring cases that are not approved by the attorney general. So that's returned to her. And she's also mm -hmm. no longer going to be in charge of the Capitol Museum. Why would the Secretary of State be in charge of the Capitol Museum in the first place? So right. the, the redistribution of duties that the House Appropriations Committee is doing is completely appropriate. Right. She calls it a political stunt. But then again, she got a fruit basket from Stacey Abrams. So that says a lot. Well, she pulled a political stunt where she made a secret complaint to the Arizona bar against our attorney general. That's something that the KGB would do, not an American politician. Mm -hmm. A lot of fight uh, in you, Dr. Kelly Ward, and the Arizona GOP going forward. This is uh, to be continued as Arizona turns, as the American audit turns. So appreciate you. Thanks, David. All right. And, and notice the language there, right? It's, uh, you know, it started as Arizo the Arizona audit, then it become a, a, a America 
audit, and now it's America's audit. Why? Because you've got Fulton County in Georgia, and you've got New Hampshire, and there's quite a few. We haven't even gotten to Michigan, potentially Pennsylvania, and others. So, uh, and Wisconsin has got some stuff going on there, too. So, look, uh, th this is not going away, uh, and you've got to give, uh, e even if you're a liberal out there, and there are plenty of liberals, grudgingly, you've got to give them some respect because they have kept it up, and they have not backed down. A lot of media pressure, but they haven't backed down, and they're not going anywhere, by the way. Back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, boy, we talk a lot on the show about anti-Semitism, and I am sure glad we do so uh, because it needs to be talked about. There is a rise in anti-Semitism. Quite frankly, we've seen anti-Semitism. Let me think. Hold on for a second. Oh, yeah. Since the beginning of time, as in open the Bible, and it's there, and it hasn't stopped uh, since uh, Jacob and Esau, and I can go into that. Actually, I don't want to go into that. Let's bring in Brian Gibson, the founder of Peaceably Gather, back with us on the show. Sir, let me just be honest, fully, fully great to see you today. Hey, it's great to see you today, David. Thank you so much for having me in again. Well, I, I want to get your kind of your, your take on, on all of the anti-Semitism that we've seen around the country, especially as a pastor, uh, someone who, who clearly, uh, you, know, you know, it's just so abhorrent to God to see this. Uh, but I want to get your kind of biblical view on, on all of this. Well, sure, David, it's amazing that we've seen ourselves go backwards so quickly uh, in, in referring to anti-Semitism in America and racial animosity in general. Uh, but yeah, you're right. A, a, a sting against the Jewish people has been there since the book of Genesis and the book of beginnings. And uh, the, the devil and the world and the fallen world system hates Israel because that is God's chosen people, God's chosen nation. And then it's also the nation through which Messiah would come, right? Jesus was himself Jewish. So there is a spirit on the earth that targets and pushes against Israel. And now we've seen this latest manifestation of this spirit right here in America, the place that's supposed to be the bastion of freedom, hope, where, where uh, you know all people are created equal. And it's coming from the left at a radical and alarming pace. And so now we see that the storyline for the Democratic Party is uh, the Jew is bad and the terrorist is good. Israel is, is always terrible and Hamas, uh, a terrorist organization should be justified. When we see these kinds of statements being made, we know we need to get on the highest mountains and lift up our voices and stand against this kind of hatred and push back against the narrative. Well, and you know what I can't, it really drives me insane. There's this narrative out there in the media that it's okay to be anti-Israel. When I say, when it, this is what I mean. Ilan Omar and all these other folks calling Israel an apartheid state and all this type of stuff, that, that's not apparently anti-Semitic now in the media. That's just like, oh, they're just against Netanyahu and his policies or, or they're concerned about Israel. Wait a minute. How, how is that? Not, how does that not pass for anti-Semitism? I, I don't believe this is just a public policy debate. It's a lot more than that. 
Well, sure, it's more than that. When you look at Omar and her belief system, her faith, who she stands with, you know that she's radical and uh, anti-Israel and anti-Semitic and would love to see, just like Hamas, the entire nation of Israel and all of the Jews pushed into the sea. Uh, so they'll talk about, you know, Israel's done this, Israel's done that. Or if Israel would provide a two-state solution, they could have peace there. Uh, I'd like to remind America that Israel five different times has offered the Palestinians a, a two-state solution That's right. every time they've denied it. Why? Why have they denied it every time? It's because they hate Israel and they want to see them wiped off the map. And people like this that push the narrative long-term would like to help that happen. And it should be no uh, surprise to us that the left is partnering with terror like Hamas. We watched them partner and whitewash the BLM riots all summer. We watched them whitewash and say Antifa is not a real thing. And now, of course, they're going to pick up with that same spirit of terror with Hamas right in front of our very eyes. Yeah, and let me also say, when you say drive them off the map, uh, look, that's not hyperbole, and that, those aren't your words. I mean, literally, uh, leaders of Hamas and uh, the Palestinian Authority back in the day and even today have said that. They drive them out to the sea. I mean, they, you know, how are you supposed to negotiate with, with people that want to see you, wait for it, dead? I mean, there's just no way. Uh, anyhow, I, let me move, oh goodness, let me move on to something. This is another thing that really irks me. I saw this Washington Post headline. I hate this, I hate this. Pastor Gibson. I'm sorry. I know I said the word hate. I'm a Christian. So sorry. Christian nationalists and QAnon followers tend to be anti-Semitic. That was seen in the Capitol attack. Look, can, can we please differentiate between these Christian nationalists, which by the way, I, I hate that word, Christian nationalists, uh, and, and actual born-again believers in Jesus Christ. I mean, hello, there's a not even a big difference. It's totally, totally two different things. These Christian nationalists, that's crazy stuff right there. That's, that's nationalism as it relates to, uh, has nothing to do with the Bible. They're invoking the Bible for uh, devilish reasons. Yeah, it's, it's a total spin. And they put those two words together yep. to, to, to cry, try to connect Christians with something crazy. And then they take Christian nationalists. And I happen to be a Christian who does love America, so I right. don't know what that makes me, but I'm not what they're trying to paint me. And then they take QAnon and they try to put Christians and QAnon together. Listen, Christians, we believe the Bible 100%. QAnon means nothing to me or Q. I don't care what's written on a cryptic message board, nor do 99.9% .9 of the believers that I know. Now, calling them anti-Semitic. Uh, Christians in general, calling them anti-Semitic. I would say the evangelical church in America is one of the largest supporters of the state of Israel. Right. And one of the reasons America has had a pro-Israel policy until this time. And now why is the policy turning? The policy is turning because the people we have in the White House right now are not Christian. They are not Catholic. It's a Trojan horse Christianity. They want to appeal to that voting block, but none of their beliefs are Christian. They are the people that are anti-Semitic, and their policies are seemingly anti-Semitic. You saw the people in the House, the Democrats that just voted against the funding of the Iron Dome. They want to see Israel, apparently, when they vote like that, do they want to see Israel pounded with rockets from Hamas coming out of the Gaza Strip? You've got to ask yourself that question. What policy is anti-Semitic? And I'll tell you, it's not the Christians that, that are standing there. Uh, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We know if we bless Israel, we'll be blessed. If we curse Israel, we'll be cursed. Brian Gibson, uh, preaching like a pastor on a Sunday morning. Uh, really appreciate you here today, as always, sir. Hey, thank you, David. It was an honor.
That's great. Uh, look, here's the thing. Uh, I know that's going to rub some folks the wrong way when he said there wasn't, there's not a Christian or a Catholic in the White House right now. But here's the thing. Uh, I, I want to be very clear about something. Uh, there has always been a, when, when Donald Trump was president, there, there was a, there always an issue here for Christians, right? I mean, he's not a Boy Scout. Uh, he, he's not, you know, a guy that's going to church and doing the potluck at Cracker Barrel after sun, a Sunday morning service. Okay, he's not that guy. Okay, but here's the thing. He was promoting Judeo-Christian traditional principles in the Bible. So what do you do with that? So, so the answer, clearly, with evangelicals was like, we're going to overlook your faults and say, you know what? You're promoting biblical views that we agree with, so we're going with the macro here. We're going to go with that rather than looking at your personal faults. And that's, where, that's why they voted him in and he became president of the United States. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Time for The Last Sip. The media can't be trusted in America. I know. I told you something that you didn't know, right? Now, of course they can't be trusted. And this whole Wuhan lab controversy that we've been talking about, we talked about at the top of the show, uh, that, that is Exhibit A. And there's plenty of Exhibit A's, but this is the most recent Exhibit A. And once again, the media ha- had said for a long time that, uh, uh, what, the, the coronavirus coming from a lab in Wuhan? No, it came from the wet market. It came from the wet market. All you people like Tom Cotton, like Donald Trump, like Steve Bannon, I can go on and on. You, they were all a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists. It was Pizzagate, the whole thing. As a matter of fact, don't take my word for it. I want to play this media montage that pretty much sums it all up. Laboratory in the city of Wuhan at the center of conspiracy theories. Something you probably have heard from a certain corner of the right is this theory that the coronavirus, quote, escaped from the lab. A lot of people on the right love that phrase, escape from the lab, because it sounds like something from a Marvel movie or a comic book. It sounds like they're talking about a man-made virus that China was weaponizing that got out of control. Another theory is that it was a bioweapon which scientists say there's zero evidence for. I guess without putting too fine a point on it, it would fall in the realm of conspiracy theory. A top U.S. general says there's no conclusive evidence proving COVID-19 emerged from a laboratory. Well, here we are, the president once again at odds with U.S. intelligence officials claiming that he's seen evidence that the novel coronavirus originated in a Chinese lab. Well, there you have it. Uh, Look, a big thanks, by the way, to David here at Real America's Voice for putting that together. And it really exemplifies and illustrates in a very important point, uh, not only that the media got it wrong, but if you notice inside that clip, uh, look, you had Chris Hayes there from MSNBC, 8 p.m. primetime. It's an opinion show. Fine. It's an opinion show. You had Brian Williams, okay, who, whatever happened to Brian Williams, by the way, NBC Nightly News with Brian Williams. Look, 
the, the problem here is that you've got opinion shows and news shows, and it's all kind of become this jumble mess for viewers to, di to, to siphon through. So everybody talks about how in prime time, you know, you got the Hannity's of the world and you got the Rachel uh, Maddow's of the world. Yeah, that's fine. You got separate, so that's fine. But here's the problem. It's now creeped in, forget creeped in. It's totally infiltrated into dayside programming uh, on CNN and MSNBC. You can't tell the difference anymore. Uh, and that's the problem. So uh, are you a correspondent? Are you a pundit? I say we live in the age of the correspondent, and that is no good for America. It's no good for journalism. It sure as heck is no good for the viewer in America. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler. Uh, look, at the top of the show, we talked about uh, apparently the Biden administration, uh, we'll see here, uh, may have short-circuited this uh, Wuhan lab uh, investigation. Uh, anyhow, there's a lot of details this is unfolding. Let's bring in Anna Perez with Real America's Voice. We teased, uh, teased you at the top of the show because you would have more. And here you are proving that we didn't lie. You're going to have more on the story. Yes, a lot deal. more. Yeah, a lot is coming out right yeah. now regarding this. Um, as we just found out that mm -hmm. now Biden is actually calling for the U.S. to investigate the matter as far as how where COVID, COVID originated from. Mm -hmm. And, you know, also we're hearing reports, as you talked about at the top of the show, that um, Perhaps the Biden administration quietly lied about this and quietly stopped the investigation. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that there were after mm -hmm. once the Biden administration took office, mm -hmm. that the Trump administration, some of the people who worked under him left. Of course, this new administration was coming in. That's not necessarily uncommon. Right. However, they're blaming a lot of ending this investigation into the COVID origins on just the switch of administration. And you know, what I find a bit uh, curious here is, well, if you're investigating something, so what if the person investigating it leaves? Continue mm -hmm. the investigation with someone new, or in right. some way continue the investigation. So obviously they're denying right now that they shut down any inquiry into this investigation. However, right. again, that's hard to believe considering that just because somebody leaves doesn't mean you stop an investigation. Well, that's exactly right. And here's the thing. I mean, once an administration, a new administration takes over, you have to have an actual uh, actionable uh, item there. I mean, you actually have to stop an investigation, or if you don't do anything, it's going to continue. Right. So, we, so in other words, you're saying we just don't know the details at this point. Well, we don't. All we know, what we do know right now, yeah. is that they were they this apparently had been quietly stopped mm -hmm. during the switch of the administration. We don't know why, or at least you know there is some suspicion over the fact that perhaps they might have shut this down. But um, obviously, mm -hmm. that's not something that they have come out and said yet, mm -hmm. or the, if they will ever. We don't know the truth about that. Yeah. Um, all, all we know now is that it just seems a little bit fishy that this wasn't something that they properly investigated or at least continued. And, you know, we'll see what happens, but that's what we know for now. <laughs> well, what's interesting also is that CNN, well, Fox broke the report, but the right. CNN also has some indi individual reporting on this, too. So, I mean, if CNN is coming out, and questioning the Biden administration. <laughs> then you know, it could be something. I mean, then at this know. point, if that is true and there is something more fishy to this, yeah. um, you know, it, Biden could be accused of covering this up and it could yeah. be something that he knew now is coming out he can't avoid. For so, sure. When you know. did he know when, uh, right. when did he know when, 
how did you know it? All that. So whatever. Well, those whatever. are the big questions. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I got to go. I can't even say the line. <laughs> Mark Short tomorrow on the show.